Hello, folks. Welcome to another edition of The Loft Podcast. Today in studio is Mr. Nick Guida, the founder of Tamarack Aerospace. They are famous for their uh, active Tamarack winglets. I am thrilled to have him in studio. Um, most of the time, I didn't understand anything he said, but uh, maybe you folks will. Please welcome Mr. Nick Guida. Mr. Nick Guida, welcome, my friend. Thanks. Thanks for doing this, man. My pleasure. Thanks I appreciate it. Um, I'm excited about this because I want to talk about some stuff that uh, I was directly included in as well, which is your Tamarack winglets. I love those things. What did you say? I can't wait to see them on every airplane out there on the ramp. Yeah, that's, that's my right. favorite quote of yours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I remember my first uh, spotting in the wild when my wife and I were someplace and we, someone. Uh, taxied up with winglets on. We didn't even know who they were. That was a kind of a cool thing. That's really neat. Where yeah. were you? Uh, it was in remember? Florida, somewhere in Florida. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So how'd you get started in that? Because that's that's out there. Yeah, well, I, I guess, you know, I'm an aerospace engineer, and I started working at Boeing a long time ago, and I've just always been into airplanes, like most of us that are listening to this or yeah. talking about it. And when I, after years of being engineering and had a consulting company, did some design work for uh, winglets on King Airs and Hawkers, and I helped other clients. I was a DER, so okay. I was a um, certification expert. These are guys that are just doing one-off projects then? Well, like Boundary Layer Research, BLR Aerospace, okay. they do the King, King Air winglets for the 200, the 90, and the 300, and I was helping them early on and learned, okay. a, learned a lot about winglets. And uh, learned a lot about how to integrate them onto aircraft and how expensive it was because of the certification requirements because your stresses go up and loads go up when right. you put winglets on on a plane that's already been designed. And Well, if you don't mind, can we just backtrack for a second cause, and, and treat me like a dummy, which you know I am. Um, what are winglets? What are they? Well, winglets are – they're end plates is the, the better word. It would be an end plate. So – it was theorized in actually 1896. What? Yeah. <laughs> that if you, uh, I guess they had not been doing wind tunnel testing and things like that on small scale. Would you check him on that? He looked. He had yeah. that make a, making up a uh, something. Yeah. Look on. No, his the face. first patent was um, <laughs> I forget the guy. I think it was Summerfield or he was a Scottish guy. 1896. Really. 1897 was the first patent, and it, the guy theorized that if you put a, an end plate on a winglet, I mean on a wing, an existing wing you are artificially extending the aspect ratio or increasing the aspect ratio, and it would increase the efficiency. So, uh, and in 1910, there were planes flying with winglets. So the winglets have been around a, a long time. Um, and what it's doing is it's acting, it's creating more like an infinite wing. Um, and, uh, or you know, cl more closely, like an infinite wing has no induced drag. An infinitely, uh, the span, if the span is gone on forever, then you have no induced drag because you don't have, uh, well, you don't have induced drag. Right. The way it was explained to me, which obviously isn't accurate, is that it just, it, it breaks up when you've got that flow between the high and low pressure at the end of the wingtip, 
it breaks that up and in doing so creates a more efficient wing. Yeah, that's, that's a very simplistic way of yeah, looking at it. Yeah, exactly. But that, that's correct. Is that even right. accurate? Yeah, it's, it, it's really accurate. I mean, there's, there's downwash that happens when you have um, the circulation at the end of the wing and the, th that's what's happening. You have this high pressure and low pressure interaction that causes these vortices. And if you can reduce those vortices, the energy, I mean, it takes energy to create any uh, movement of air and momentum change. And so therefore you're, you're taking away the total energy in the whole system. So that's what happens on the, when you put a winglet on it. Got it. But it's, but you know, for years, Embraer never put winglets on because they said, hey, we, if we extend the wingspan, 80% of the height of a winglet, we get the same benefit. So you could actually just extend the wing and have your tooling is better and less expensive than to build a winglet and a new mold and everything. Right. So you end up with... Um, and that's true. That is true, yeah. Interesting. So you end up with, if you don't have span restrictions, uh, you, you add, you know, four feet on a wing and that's like... A, a six-foot winglet or something like that, right. right? So so why didn't Boeing adopt that philosophy? Well, they have, you mean Boeing when they started doing winglets? That was, that was, yeah. um, that was actually uh, API. They put, they put winglets on everything. Yeah, but that was, they have um, span restrictions uh, on, the, on what's the, the gate, B gate, I think it's 123 and a half feet or something like that. So they did have restrictions. And, and also when you do extend the wing, uh, Without a winglet, the vertical portion or the downward portion, people ask me all the time about how the split winglets. Well, the split winglets were like on Connie's and Vegas and things like that right. so long ago. And the it, new ones are pretty interesting looking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're the same thing. If you, it's just an end plate, and it's more effective. The taller the end plate is, the more effective the, 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 the excuse me, the um, effect is. However, uh, there's you increase your surface area and your parasitic drag too. So you have to watch that balance. But the, um, what were we saying? Well, I was asking you in, in reference to if Embraer had made the oh, determination right, right. that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I remember reading that, that they were, so if you talk to, like, look at the 787. It doesn't have winglets. It has these raked wings, wing right. tips. Uh, because they were able to start from a clean sheet and you know, they, they didn't have the same restrictions or an existing wing that they had to modify. Uh, but when you when you do add winglets, if you do it properly, you, you so, increase so what the you're stresses. Saying, if, if you don't mind me interrupting, because I want to make this as a key point, because I think a lot of the folks that are listening aren't nearly as intelligent as you are, um, <laughs> or, or me for that matter. So that's why I'm asking the question. The, the, the winglets themselves, if you were to design a perfect wing, mm -hmm. Um, it may or may not include winglets, but That's the right. winglets are um, wing specific in that when you take a certain wing, you can lay out the math to see if a winglet will be beneficial to that exact wing, correct? And sometimes the answer is no. Is that is that a better way of saying yes. it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's also, it's not just the wing itself, but the, uh, the environment in which the wing flies and the lift coefficient and things like that. So okay. there's there's more to it. Than just I made the wing simple. structure. No, but but you get the idea. Yeah, there's sometimes a winglet is not the solution. Look at the seven eight seven. Those guys have been doing wings a long time, and they didn't do it. They did some other version of a, a vortice manipulation or reduction, and it turned out to be a, the raked winglet, right? Uh, because you're also balancing the stress, uh, the stress in the wing, the structural aspects of it too. So sometimes. Um, when you add a winglet, you can increase the moment bending moment on the wing less. For the same 
aerodynamic benefit as you would have if you had extended the oh, wing. Yeah, okay. So you have to you have to take that into consideration also. Right. So the winglets themselves, I mean, you know, why does a U2 have high aspect ratio winger gliders um, for that same reason? But they fly at different CLs than a fast plane. Remember, because you also have to you have to have high CL or uh, lift coefficient when you land. These these huge jets require a lot of additional lift from trailing edge devices and leading edge devices. Right. So you're, you, yeah, obviously it's not a point in the sky um, that you can design to. You have to design for the whole sure. realm of... Yeah, hence the SR-71 leaking like a sieve and the mm-hmm. U-2 having its wingtips dragging on the ground when it lands. Right, right. <laughs> you know what the indicated uh, airspeed of a U-2? I, I have a, two guys I met through... Uh, you know, doing these winglets that were U2 drivers, it's like 90 knots was the indicated airspeed at, at 80,000 feet. 90 no, th- knots, yeah. no, thanks. I'm, I, I'm not that good. Mm-hmm. And they would have to <laughs> There's stall. like two knots to stall. You should get a U2 guy on here <laughs> yeah. to talk. They, these, it's fascinating to listen to these well, guys. Well, they're the creme de la creme, too, because they, they have that un- yeah. an astonishing engineering background along with being a, a pilot just like yeah. yourself. Yeah, before they land, they had to stall the plane to see where the fuel level is in sure. each wing because they don't, they don't have a, the gauges is, or something. Really? Yes, they stall it, and when the wing drops, it's like, okay, i got to transfer fuel. Wow. So you got to talk to Huggy. He's yeah, a, I've actually, he used to be a prolific uh, poster on this ProPilot World website that uh, I frequent, and uh, he disappeared off of that, though. I haven't seen him mm-hmm. uh, post in a while. He was with the CJP for a couple of years until Land Room took over. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember that. Actually, I think I may have actually spoken to him mm-hmm. on the uh, on the phone once or twice. We'll talk about he seems like a fascinating. Yeah, he's, he's great. All these guys are great. Yeah. So the winglets, that's what, you know, and so I had been, you know, when uh, my first winglet job was the Hawker, uh, I forget, the 800. Yes, yeah. So I was helping API as a structural engineer. The only thing I remember from that was the, the video that came out with that absolute flutter that was horrifying. I don't know anything about it other than the YouTube video that floated around for a while. Mm-hmm. And it was fixed quickly. I'm sure it was. You know, <laughs> because, you know. And the airplane held together. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily call that flutter. Rather than, I mean, I I don't know the exact mode of what was happening. It's the, you know there was a vibration when you, well, like when we were doing ice testing on the on the uh, CJ when we had shapes all over it. When you're building, when you're doing that testing, you build these plastic shapes and you you incrementally increase the span on. Like you start with only one quarter of the wing and you go fly and do stalls and make sure everything's good. And as you're going through this, you end up with. Uh, a break right in the middle of the aileron. So you have three quarters of the ice shapes, which are huge on when you do uh, ice shape flight testing on for CJs, like we did for our wing. And the ailerons buzz like crazy. And but it's okay because you're the next once you ma- make sure that the airplane flies great and the handling characteristics are, uh, characteristics are okay, and you're expanding the envelope to be able to do the next phase, then you put the remaining ice shapes on, and then the, the buzzing or flutter, aileron flutter goes away. Um, so there's, What's causing that flutter or that, that Well, it was, it was the actual shapes themselves are pretty big, and they were causing vortices that hit the aileron. Ah, okay, sure. And so, but in the process, you know, what API did through that, it's, you know, you, you do so much testing that there was this one spot. I, I don't know exactly what the cause. I should just not, probably not talk about it, but at the end of the day, it... Um, we over-engineer these things, and uh, so that's a testament to even with a an outside event like that. I don't, we don't know what caused that or created that disturbance that made the right. the Hawker wing uh, ailerons do that. But 
at the end of the day, it was it's a safe, very safe product. Well, I would say too that uh, something like that is is within the flight. And was that a flight test or that that video uh, was? No, I think shown? that was. It was uh, an actual flight. Yeah, I think it was a flight because it. Yeah. But it also then, too, shows that there is something out there creepy and that it can be fixed and then doesn't show up again. So mm-hmm. I think so, having something like that happen is, is probably more beneficial to the aviation environment than mm-hmm. having it be sneaky and insidious, mm-hmm. pressing it all the way. So you, um, your design on the winglets is a very interesting philosophy. I sh- shouldn't even say philosophy. It's, it's an interesting engineering idea. Can you tell me how you came up with? Well, first of all, if you don't mind, tell the Tamarack winglets are different. How? How are your winglets different than the standard? You know, coming from the factory winglets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so the the a typical winglet that you see over the past hundred whatever hundred years or so uh, is is a passive winglet. It just it sits there and 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 just uh, it's static and creates its, does its job during the whole flight envelope uh, and can, and, and the reason that I came up with the idea was that uh, we don't need it to do the same aerodynamic efficiencies at high G levels. So our winglets, the Tamarack winglets actually turn off the effect of the winglet during high G maneuvers or, or elevated load factors. And when you say turn off, you mean essentially unload the winglet. Correct? Yeah, it unloads it and, and aerodynamically disengages in a sense. Oh, I like that. That's a better yeah. way of saying mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So and how does it and how does it do that? Well that yeah. So so the key is that we have a device outboard of the ailerons. So so I'll take you through a little bit of the of how this Yeah, how don't let me skip ahead it. if I'm missing something that's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not really important. It's just the way it's described. Is, uh, I, I was doing these winglets for Hawkers and King Airs, and every time we did a winglet project, we would have to put metal in the wing. We'd have to reinforce the ailerons, uh, put straps on them or stainless steel. Because we, we you're to, increasing the load of the wing, correct? Yeah, the stresses, yeah. The, the load, actually, it's funny, because load is would be pounds. So you're not increasing how much the wing has to carry. It's just the distribution of the, of the load. Okay. So it's the bending moment and the stresses and the torsion that changes rather than the load. If the plane weighs 100,000 pounds and you put winglets on, it's not going to create 100,010 pounds because that would, you, you know, what is, it's creating more lift for the angle of attack that you're, that you're uh, right. flying. So it's more efficient. So less angle of, angle of attack creates the same amount of load. So you're not creating more load, but you're creating the distribution is more outboard now. So the same... 50,000 pounds per wing is now moved outboard, which creates higher bending moments. Like if you were carrying wood, three pieces of wood to your fireplace, if you carried them with your arms outstretched, it would be a lot more stress on your arms and your shoulders than if you were to hold it closer to you. Makes perfect sense. It's the same amount of load, right? Mm -hmm. Just as distribution. So one day, I, I, I just for years, I was thinking, how can we do this? At one point, we were thinking of, I, my friends and I would just talk about be fun if we had like inflatable winglets because people like the look of winglets. <laughs> yeah. So once you land, you had these inflatable winglets that would that would fill up and you'd tax <laughs> it to the ramp. And then when you go, you take off and then it deflates them, which is still an interesting idea of, of how to create. And people have been doing this type of thing for years, figuring out how to change the span loading in order uh, during different flight configurations. But that wasn't necessarily the most realistic approach. So then I I, uh, I was on my way to a Steely Dan concert. You don't want to admit that. <laughs> it's one of my favorite bands. Oh, Jesus. 
Uh, What's wrong with Steely Dan? Nothing, nothing. They're, they're fine. Let's move on. You kids. These kids, you <laughs> yeah, know. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. So I was in the Seattle airport, and I had my computer with me, and I had a model of an airplane up, and I, I lo- was looking out the window in the, the curved area in the Seattle airport, and I said, I think I have it, Tammy, my, my wife. So I quickly modified my loads program, and I showed this curve. I checked the stresses real quick or the moment, and I said, that was it. So then I decided to take that idea. That's a very good aha moment. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, lose all my hair and uh, right. start a company. It was worth it. Yeah. It was worth it. <laughs> Look at the contribution. Yeah. So that was really was – What was like the first how, airplane you, you folks started with? Was it the Cirrus? Well, it was RV6, my RV6. Oh, so okay. I, the, the goal, that was the first prototype that ended up on RV6. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I – And that is I a knew that, tiny little wing. Yeah, it's, a, little, it's a Hershey bar yeah. wing, and it's typically <laughs> square and small. Yeah, it's 120 square foot, and you don't really put winglets on these. I don't know. You just don't do it for those kind of, air, of course, aerobatic airplanes. You typically don't want to do that because you you want it to snap well and all those type of things. So you end up with um, some different characteristics that you wouldn't want. Right. But it was just a prototype. But if it's going to work on that wing, it's going to work on any wing. Yeah, the goal was to see if, if, if during a gust we could turn off the stresses. So I instrumented an airplane, my RV6. Well, the, the business plan was written for CJs initially, right? And then you. Oh, go, it really was. Yeah. What was the reasoning behind that? The wing itself. Well, I had some. I had a friend with a CJ. I had some people that I knew had CJs, and the straight CJs weren't um, getting to altitude. If it were, yeah. if it was hot, we, we need another motor. Yeah. yeah, it was just, you know, it was a, it's a really happy 35,000 foot airplane. Right, right. And, but not. But, and it burns no gas at 41, but you can't yeah, get there. Yeah. And so that was really interesting because, you know, for every, uh, these planes with these engines, these type of plane, for every thousand foot increase in cruise altitude, you get about 3.2 to 3.5% increase in specific range. All right. So, you know. Getting up to 41 as opposed to 37 is a big deal. It's a big deal, yeah. And on a hot day or heavy, you, you get the whole thing. You, you know how these things fly. So that was the first pick. And then I went out to uh, – I, I went to an organization that knew a lot about these planes, and they agreed that that would be a good starting point. So then the, that's how the business plan was written. So then we – of course, you don't go get a CJ when you're paying for it out of your own pocket <laughs> in, in, initially, you know. Yeah, it's hard to get somebody to let you modify it like that. Yeah. Because yeah. right. you have to go to experimental status. Yeah, but Ron Bingham is a visionary, so he he's a he was our first – he, he leased us the plane. But we started with um, the RV-6, stuck winglets on it, had a great team of friends of mine from Sandpoint that we all had different uh, – Capabilities, so we modeled up. Sandpoint Idaho. Yeah, Sandpoint Idaho. So we had a great uh, Arnie Cantola was a composites guy. We built up the winglets. We had some other uh, friends of mine that were helping me with my other consulting business, and we came up with a a quick and dirty, off the shelf system that would move really quickly. And we were trying to show that once. Uh, during gusts and maneuvers, higher load factors when we didn't need the winglets. Like, I mean, that's an important point. So you're going, you're you're flying along, and you're getting your great efficiency, and you start hitting a lot of turbulence. Are you interested in what's the first thing you do when you're in turbulence? Slow down. Slow down. So are you interested in uh, amazing efficiency during these moderate, even light turbulence? You want to slow nope. down. And so why not just make the winglet turn off? Because in the turbulence is where you're going to get the elevated G levels. Sure. 
So you're flying along at one G, you start hitting gusts and it's quarter G, another half a G, you're adding it plus or minus. And everything, a good winglet, a passive winglet would make that worse. So then the concept, your invention is to turn that off by having these little devices out there, the ailerons, that counteract that. So they go, go up and down really quickly and both left and right act simultaneously and they unload the wing. So then at the hell of elevated load factors in a maneuver. Let's say you see another airplane, you're pulling three Gs to get out of the way. Do you care about efficiency during that, nope. you know, five seconds worth of this extreme three Gs? Right. No. So then that was the kind of the impetus of saying, why do we need to take the winglets all the way to limit load, right. which designs the airplane? Sure. These are, like the, the, the G level on the CJ is 3.6 G or 3.8 G on the little plane. And uh, the gust load factors like five Gs for gust right. and, uh, and a 50 foot, foot per second gust that hits you at, at VC. So uh, at 263 mm -hmm. knots indicated or uh, yeah indicated. So you don't need that. So that was the whole idea of, hey, if we can put it on RV6 and make, make the loads go down quickly during gusts and maneuvers, then we can then we have a product. Yes, yes. As a side note, because I've had, uh, I've heard reports of it and I've experienced it myself. Why is it then that in turbulence, your winglets actually stabilize the aircraft more? I mean, it feels, it, it, it handles the turbulence better. So if they're mm -hmm. turning themselves off um, in that scenario, I, I, I can physically feel that it's smoother. Well, why would that be? And I've heard other people say that too. Yeah, it, it's, it's measurable, right? Uh, we've measured that in, uh, and well, even the 787 has a, they call it ride comfort. So they have some device that unloads the wing quickly or increases the... So a gust load, let's say you're flying along and you, and you have a specific... Uh, if I'm getting too technical, let me know. You had that, that glazed uh, look on your eye. Dude, it's just my standard look. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's getting close to lunchtime. I'm thinking, yeah. oh, Reuben might go down really nicely. And I think I got sneaking up here with that Reuben. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with what you're saying. That's right. <laughs> I will ask you to dumb it down, though. Is I've already done. Okay. Well, so uh, a small wing has is less susceptible to gusts. So a, the same fifty. Let's say you have fifty foot per second gust that hits your airplane. In a small airplane with a high wing load or a, a, a low wing loading, like a Husky, that same gust you might see six Gs for fifty foot per second at the max speed. But a a small wing airplane, a heavier airplane because the wing loading is much higher, has is less susceptible. So the, it might only see three Gs. So that's why, like, the CJ has a gust load rating. Well, no one really knows what that is, but we do because we've done the math, you know, five Gs. Right. But so that would be called a gust-critical airplane. The wing is designed by a gust, not a maneuver, sure. which is 3.6 Gs. That makes sense. But on the larger airplanes, around, I don't know, 30 to 40,000 pounds, it starts to switch over if the wing is... A, approximately in the same class and the wing loading, you know, um, the higher wing loading has a better ride comfort. Well, but I've been in, I've been in moderate turbulence in a DC-9 and a 727. Mm -hmm. I've been in moderate turbulence in a Learjet and a Citation, mm -hmm. and I'd much prefer to be in, be in the bigger metal. The bigger mm -hmm. metal just handles it better. Yeah. It seems to just punch through it. I, I, I'm describing it in an incredibly simple, mm -hmm. simplistic format, but that's what I'm trying to get at. It has is higher wing for, loading. And that's what it is. Yeah. Because in your, in, in your Tamarack-equipped airplane, mm -hmm. The, the the turbulence was noticeably more comfortable. Yeah. 
So be, it's because, from because, a simplified standpoint, yeah. why is that? Because so when the when the the tax, the Tamarack active camber surface, when those are deflected up in a very rapid speed, and I've seen it, your eyes almost can't see it. Yeah, there it's, it's, it can be in position in a tenth of a second, hundred milliseconds. It happens so quickly that it unloads the wings. So for the same, you know, the plane is flying at a certain speed, and you ineffectively cut off the last five feet of the wing. So the wing loading immediately goes up higher. Interesting. Okay. In, instantaneously. So therefore the gust... That's what's making it sit down more with the, right. in it the sits, air. It sits down and it's just very comfortable. Interesting. And so just the, in, the instantaneous increase in, in wing loading right. is what's causing that. Um, not to mention the... Well, there's other things too, but that's why it's so comfortable. But but, when, the, when but the, it's when, so effective. And like for max zero fuel weight, can go up 400 pounds on the seat. Right, right, right. Because during the maneuver load factor or the gust load factor, whatever is cre- critical for that particular weight, our loads are that much less. So like on the, you know, the CJ2, mm-hmm. we add 800 pounds of max zero fuel weight. Yeah. Which is that's wonderful. incredible. <laughs> and, and that's why wonderful. we're selling a lot of those or yeah. sold a lot. And because it really makes that plane much more useful. Right. Is there still, when let's say when the, when the Tamarack... And, and, and again, uh, stop me if I'm saying this incorrectly. When the Tamarack system is inactive, it's sensed mm-hmm. a reason to become inactive. Are, is, are you still getting any parasite drag then from the winglets themselves that are hanging out there in the air? Is that um, is it is it measurable, or is when it once it deactivates and it turns itself off, it's almost down. like they're not there? No. Let's say so. You're saying during I'm saying you're just cruising failing. along in turbulence. They deactivate. And you can feel it. You can you know you can see them out there doing what they're supposed mm-hmm. to be doing. The, but the tip itself is still out there dragging in the air. Mm-hmm. There's parasitic drag associated with that. Let's say you were in, you know, um, turbulence. You mm-hmm. take off from your, your departure airport in San Diego and you're going all the way to Texas. And the entire time you're in turbulence. And those active winglets are, are just working nonstop the whole way. Mm-hmm. W- would you actually have less of a fuel burn because there's parasite drag with those tips hanging out there and they haven't been able to be active? Oh, I see. No. Um, well, if it were if you were in turbulence the whole way and you were you would probably slow down. You wouldn't be flying. Well, that, unless you, you would, were you would anyways. Yeah. Right. So so and I'm not gets, talking about modern. I'm just talking about the fact the winglets are just they, they yeah. can't seem to catch their game because the turbulence is so bad. Yeah, um, that's an interesting point. I never thought of it that way. If you had continuous turbulence the whole time, because uh, this winter's been be, like that. <laughs> yeah, this winter's been terrible for everybody. We're getting throttled. Yeah, especially here on the West Coast. I don't. Yeah. It's been. I have not seen this much turbulence hmm. on the West Coast in years. It's been really bad. Yeah, but that's, I, I guess the reason I asked that question is not because that's a real possibility, but because just trying to get an understanding of, um, you know, is there a point in time where they wouldn't be efficient or the way that you've designed those winglets to deactivate um, within the periods of time, oh, that you'd still okay. see a benefit overall. Right. Okay. So when I was thinking what you when you said deactivate, you meant? Like when if they were if it were in a faulted state, but what mm. you're saying is just if no, it's, no, no, no. If it's, it's act, doing what it's, it's supposed doing to be doing its job. Yeah, it's doing its yeah, job. Yeah, you're still getting the benefit uh, depending on your altitude. Like if you're flying around at twenty five thousand feet and your your mission is to fly, you know, half hour flights at twenty five thousand feet, the winglets really for efficiency aren't going to help you. Sure. They're going to help you on you know takeoff because the plane wants to jump off the it ground. Does. Like I described it, it yeah. just feels like you're sitting on a bubble. Yeah. Landing, you know, your landings are much more stable. And even, you know, when I do demo flights, I would make uh, people turn off the uh, the uh, yaw damper mm-hmm. and you know, hand Yeah, because you got it. two of them out there on the wings. Right. And it really <laughs> makes a big difference, which is, you know, typically, not typically, often winglets can uh, decrease the lateral directional stability. But 
our winglets don't do that. They, it actually increases it dramatically. And I can give you a couple examples if you're interested in, in that. But So you would get the other benefits, but you're, if your mission is half-hour flights at 25,000 feet, 45-minute flights, you're not going to get the fuel savings that these guys are getting when they're going between, you know, to 41,000 right. feet, you know. I'm, I mean, and without getting lost in the details, I mean, we have lots of clients that have asked us too, you know, what do you think about these winglets? What What is your take on it? And without getting into the math, because that befuddles me and goes right over my head, the way I explain it is, look, you guys know, operating this aircraft, the CJ and the CJ-1, that it will not go to 41 most of the time, right? With the winglets addition, let's let's get, push everything else aside. The benefit is, is that every single time now, you will go to 41. Every single time, full full of people, full of gas, mm-hmm. and that benefit alone, because everybody that's been at forty one or forty in the in the CJ knows that the fuel flows are hard to see. They're that's not 600, even six hundred. Six hundred. I mean, they're just gone. So that's where you want to be in order for that fuel efficiency. Mm-hmm. So I may be oversimplifying it, but I think when you say something like that, you know, you take off from sea level and you go to forty one every single time. Mm-hmm. That in itself shows, look, there's no magic here. That's mm-hmm. just what these things do, is they get you to altitude huh. every single time. Is that a fair assessment? Or have I oversimplified it? No, no, it? no. It just depends on what's really important to you. I mean, some guys, if, you're, if your daily mission is to fly, like I said, little short flights, then you don't care about 41. But is there still a benefit then? Or would you say, you know what, winglets are probably not your, your deal. You probably don't well, need them. Well, for efficiency, no. But if you wanted to have 400-pound mag zero fuel would increase, or if you want to have Got it. more margin on landing and takeoff if you want to have ride smoothing because if you are at 25 you're going to be bumped around a lot right you're going to spend more time in the disturbed air so you there's other the other benefits it depends on what is important to you do you have charts then once you install these winglets do you then have supplemental charts that go along with it or how does that work how do i know for fuel flows and things yeah yeah yeah. we have the efficiency um, you know so there's non-certified data and certified data so on the cj's the ones and the one plus and all that we have um the takeoff and landing data is, is certified of course we don't ours we don't change those numbers but a lot of people think that the up and away data like the cruise d- data and the climb tables are certified those aren't certified data those are just what you've experienced during test flying no right? but even even for the oem they don't oh it's not a certified document the, like the operator manual it doesn't say fa certified at the bottom so your cruise tables, I think that's a common misconception, by the it way. It is. It's very yeah. – and, and people – And lots of people, our clients too, especially we've had lots of questions on that they think that somebody's actually gone out and done every one of those lines. Right. That's yeah. just not the case. It's interpolated data and, you know, it's spot checked, but it's it's not certified. The FAA does not approve up and away data. Now, the, the, the part where it gets confusing is some operators in Europe, they are required to use OEM data to build their, their 130 – um, five operations. Right. And well, there's can, no better, better data available, correct? I mean, somebody well, like APS, they use OEM right. data to come yeah. in and, and do And then that. you can do your own. You could do your own, but they use that as a starting base, sure. a starting place. And But people think that that means it's certified. It's not. It's just that it becomes the basis of this 135 operation. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can, they can make their planning and it's successful. So what, what we do provide so, up and, and you, away data, uh, you know, climb and descent and cruise data, um, non-certified, but it is it's it's accurate to what our fl- flight testing and it's um, a supplement that goes in the AFM the aircraft flight manual. Yeah, okay. AFMS. Yeah, uh, but we also had to do climb gradients. You know that is certified. Good. That's a big so, deal too, and a lot of people don't understand that stuff. Yeah. Even recently, we've got a a couple of publications that have come out 
saying too that us as 142 flight schools, we're teaching it wrong. You know, we're talking about um, you know the one of the engines being an operative and using that data as the you know climb gradients to comply with SIDS and stars, and, and that's completely inaccurate. Right. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of misconception I think about climb gradients, and it's very confusing. You know, especially mm-hmm. for a dummy like me. I mean, I need somebody to get out some crayons and explain it to me because mm-hmm. I just that's it, it's very difficult. Yeah, but but it's it's not it's difficult only because there's so much data. But it really at the at the at the end of the day, the the information we all understand what a climb gradient is, right? So it's just Most the, of the, time, the breakdown right? of it's the breakdown <laughs> of how how the data is presented and what is required yeah. by the FAA. Like there are, I just don't want to hit the hill. That's you what I, I yeah, just don't want to hit right, the hill. Right. <laughs> right, but you know, it's so interesting how the net and gross gradients and you know, Tamaracks were experts on this stuff now because we had to go through so much of it and so much flight testing. So, question then becomes to, to again to me as the dummy, winglets. I lose an engine coming out of Aspen. Am I going to climb better? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, because just what I felt coming off the runway with no mm-hmm. empirical data other than what I felt, mm-hmm. you know, the, literally the nose comes down because it's, it's, it's drawing up so quickly. So therefore, and, and you actually have published data mm-hmm. that shows that increased single engine performance. Yeah. And that's, so that's a big selling point as well then because, you know, these, these CJs, the little ones, the, the, the bigger ones are a different story, but the little ones have some serious Aspen restrictions. You know, we get a lot of clients that are going in and out of Aspen and we have to sit them down and go, look, you, you've got to look at this data a little more carefully mm-hmm. in that it's getting a little spooky. You know, Telluride and Aspen from a, you know, climb gradient SID um, situation is, yeah. is pretty spooky if you're in the clouds, you know. And yeah. so I think that with the addition of winglets too, like as I was saying, it's just a 41 and that's all the benefit. Well, that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. There are other benefits that, that I hadn't even thought of. Yeah. The single engine climb is huge for the CJs. It's a big deal. Uh, you know, you're flying at low CL. I mean, you're flying at high CLs, meaning your your speed is low and your weight is heavy typically. I forgot to ask out. you the first time. CL, what's that? Uh, lift, lift coefficient. Perfect. So it's, um, you know, your lift over the dynamic pressure in the surface area. Right, of the which wing. is what your winglets live and die by, correct? Yeah. they the Winglets are best at a higher CL because higher CL cre- creates the most induced drag. Remember, you might remember this from flight training that the, the efficiency is – Optimize when your when your drag is half parasitic mm-hmm. drag and half right. induced drag. So yeah, there's a the higher, there's a pretty chart for showing exactly mm-hmm. where that happens. Yeah, the, the b- drag bucket yeah. and all that. Right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it, it makes a big deal, and that's part of the reason why, like our uh, hot high hot or the watt tables weight altitude temperature that a lot of people they learn when they get their type rating and then they don't look go back and look at that. But right. you know, example is uh, you know it's thirty degrees C. And you're in Colorado Springs. The 9,500 pounds is all you can take off in a right. CJ. Right. Uh, so you got to either leave in the morning when it's not 30 degrees, or take fuel off, or take people off, or buy without a CJ, winglets, or buy a CJ3. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or get or or with the winglets because now right. you add it's almost 600 pounds of additional, uh, you know, a, a carrying capability of the wing right. uh, with the winglet so um to get this data aside from the paper format you know uh, is there any because i know for me i live and die by flightplan.com I, I love that website i think a lot of us aviators mm-hmm. do in that you know we've got you literally put in i'm astonished at how accurate those numbers are mm-hmm. you know for the straight cj from here to bozeman montana mm-hmm. i mean i'm to the i'm to the minute fuel burn same mm-hmm. same thing uh do you have a profile in flightplan.com yeah. you mm-hmm. do yeah we Excellent. have four flight 
pro, uh, profile, I mean, uh, flightplan.com. I think there's another one also. Any, any um, like, I think we, we use uh, EFB Pro. We've seen APS and such like that. Do you mm-hmm. have any uh, computerized programs that, that will offer you the? Well, ForeFlight does, but we don't have our own. We, okay. we just support the companies that have asked. And uh, one of our aero guys, uh, Hal Gates, is kind of in charge of that. Perfect. Hell. Yeah, because that's that's a great way of seeing that data too. If you can you can compare apples to oranges, I shouldn't yeah. even say that apples to apples, um, by straight CJ CJ mm-hmm. with the, with the winglets, and you can see the data difference mm-hmm. across the line. Because I've done that as well mm-hmm. when clients have asked about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and and at the end of the day, like you said, um, some of the OEM data is a little can be uh, optimistic because uh, there are there are data there because it's an interpolation, it, correct? Yeah, but you know, if you look right now at a straight a straight CJ, it shows that you can get to forty one thousand feet on a typical day in like forty three minutes. No, you I, can't. Well, I, I know I'm saying that that <laughs> no, you can't. You, you get the idea, right? Yeah. And, and so it and you know, there's engine aspects. If your engines are tired or well, I, you know what? So Let me back up for a second. You yeah. can get to forty one, but you're going to be at eighty knots, <laughs> just yeah. plowing through the air. It's never going to mm-hmm. get up on the plane. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a joke. You can chuckle a little bit. It's, yeah, it's all right. No, I'm, I'm just thinking, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> Some of these are jokes, people. Some of these are jokes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, CJ line, um, and maybe you can talk about this, maybe you can't. Uh, other lines, other aircraft that you, you folks are considering putting these things on or maybe are already. I, I just don't know. I haven't seen it. Yeah, we're, maybe you don't want to talk ta- about it. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. We're, we're talking with uh, other uh, – organizations to because and do you have a patent on this uh, then yeah it was patented back in 2011 excellent and so and, and, yeah, the, the, and the, patent, the patent side is is essentially the ability to turn the winglet off yeah it's a load alleviation associated with winglet i don't know what you just said load alleviation <laughs> no i heard what you said i just don't okay. know what you said <laughs> yeah and then there's you know when you build a when you have a patent like this you build what they call a thicket there's a bunch of other patents around the main patent that protects it, and uh, and so it, it's it's a pretty it's it's a it's a great. I, I I probably watch too much Shark Tank, but my my immediate response to that is is that it, is there, it seems like this would be a fairly good licensing deal too, to mm-hmm. where you could approach you know or manufacturers would approach you to be able to license this technology from you. Again, whether you can talk about that or not, but to me that that yeah. would be a play that it would pop into my head immediately. Yeah, and that's, because of my love of, love of Shark Tank. Yeah. No, it was no licensing is, has always been um, considered and in, in, uh, over the years discussed at different levels. And yeah, excellent. Uh, so that's a that's true. That's the way to get in all, as many airplanes as, as we could. So in the in the time required. Yeah, that makes perfect time, sense. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you did a lot of the test flying yourself, um, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually got to help you out a couple of times on doing some test flights for you. I was extremely fascinated. It was it was a it was a completely different environment. Say from going from point A to point B as I'd done my entire career, the level of preparation that occurs prior to any flight, um, who you had on board, what they were watching, the parameters that you were monitoring mm-hmm. uh, was mind boggling. The and and the reason for doing that is is that all that data when you take all that data and put it into a, a, a boiling pot. What's the end goal then with mm-hmm. all of that data that you were collecting? Mm-hmm. Well, it depends on what phase of the flight testing. Some of it was company tests and some of it was certification testing. Are you so, looking for errors? 
You know, are you looking for issues? Are you no? Looking it just for... depends on the flight. You know, like when we're when we're set up to do our flight test, and we may take I don't know sixty channels, but not all of them are turned on. Depending on if you're doing a structural flight or a what's a channel flight, uh, like uh, the, the data acquisition. Okay, has different temperature inputs. outside temperature. Okay, we're stri- but yeah, definitely temperatures and you know two different temperatures and if you have your so again airspeed I'm over boom on, yeah <laughs> angle of attack side slip I mean just to name a few but a lot of strain gauges and fuel flows and just sixty different things that we could that are instrumented on the airplane that's why this is expensive to do yep we know because that's what we have to do in order to, for our sims we have to do that flight test study. And it takes us weeks in experimental oh, yeah, status. Yeah. We have to do exactly the same thing. Oh, so that's why I always said, too, that with the data that you had, mm-hmm. you probably have the exact data points that we use to formulate how it is that our aero modeling takes place in the simulators. Yeah. And it's an expensive process, yeah. but it's it, we do absolutely everything, mm-hmm. which is why the sims fly mm-hmm. exactly like the real airplane. Right. So I assume it's exactly, the same thing. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. like the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> well, not unfortunately, not exactly like the Tamarack. Wingless. Yeah. I'd love to get that program in there. Mm-hmm. Well, we can do. We have the data for you. Mm-hmm. Well, so it's the, the, same the, thing, thing. the thing that you're not that during your flight testing, you weren't taking strain gauge data. So the strain gauges are these little gauges that go. You scrub the paint off and you glue it with special glue to the skin of the airplane in various places. So okay. we had a whole bunch on the wing, tail, horizontal tail, vertical tail, uh, ailerons, all, all kinds of stuff. So you're measuring all the stresses on the wing. So that was a lot of what we had to do too. But you know, to a guy from a flight testing um, environment, we just uh, – I did a lot of flight testing as a, in my previous – before Tamarack. So we just brought the same uh, type of uh, uh, discipline in. And, and all, of course, when you're doing certification and you want to eventually get a uh, an FAA pilot on board, mm-hmm. you have to show that you've done all the oh, envelope sure. expansion and yeah. – and so you do it. And you're in, talking about the STC process, which yeah. is going through the formal process of getting the thumbs up from the right. FAA to add these devices outside of experimental category, yes. right? To go back yeah. to standard category, right? Yeah. So, so you you know during the flight testing, yeah, it's a it's an interesting. Um, and those little gauges that you just talked about that you put all over the airplane, mm-hmm. what did they do? The string gauges that just a string gauge is a really small little serpentine circuit that. Uh, it's a basically a resistor. So as the wing, as the skin actually changes, and if you were to take a string gauge and pull on it and put a voltage through it, you would get a change in resistance. Oh, okay. So you measure the resistance, and then you can determine how much stress is on that particular Got it. part of the wing. Because right? that's going to be your biggest enemy as it relates to trying to prove that there are no stresses. Correct. I mean, that's what your yeah, end goal was, is to show yeah. that you don't have to put doublers in, you yeah. don't have to do anything to the wing, right. which was the whole purpose of what your philosophy was, I exactly. should say philosophy, yeah. your engineering, uh-huh. took you to the point where you do not have to put any type of reinforcements in the wing, correct? Right. Yeah. We bolt We bolt this on, like, right now. And that's our, why it only takes a very short period of time to actually yeah. install them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do it in one week at our factory. One week? One week. The guys fly in on Sunday night, and, the, and our team start dripping into it. Uh, and by Wednesday morning, the winglets are ready to be painted. Wednesday afternoon, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. but our team, you know, of course, is awesome, and and they're really fired up to make it better and better. So, you know, from you know years ago, I remember saying we're going to do this in a week. I, I was it was a goal for me because it really there's no additional structure. I mean, we only we we attach the winglet to the spars or the extension to the spars. And a shear with a shear clip, so it's running wires and that type of stuff takes as much time as a structural side. Right. And then the paint, we have a great painter, and it's just we just 
it's just fun to do that in one week. The guy shows up, um, you know, Monday morning, picks his plane up. And That's really cool, <laughs> especially from the downtime standpoint. Yeah. How long, as you said, in the wild, how long have these things been out there in the wild? A couple of years now, yeah. We have, I think, I've seen 80, a bunch of them. 80 flying now. 80 flying. So maybe it's more. I, I don't know exactly mm-hmm. right now. but That's fantastic. Yeah. So it's cool. It's really cool all over the world. It's it's been a it's been a fun trip. And the cost of the winglets as well too. I've seen, and that was kind of what I think a lot of people were curious as to what was going to happen for a resale value. But I've seen these airplanes dollar for dollar selling for exactly what they put into the winglets as well. Increase in the value of the CJ, which yeah. is that's great to see. You know, because mm-hmm. anything else like a car is a depreciating asset. Mm-hmm. These winglets are not that. Not the case. They 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 are being sold now, and I even saw some of the original CJs, CJs, CJ ones, their value increasing because folks were buying these airplanes to put these winglets mm-hmm. on them, mm-hmm. and that was neat to see too. Mm-hmm. It's just just a a direct effect of the value of those mm-hmm. airframes, which was neat to see. You can mm-hmm. see it tick up. Yeah. So that's cool. That's mm-hmm. very cool. What's um, what's next for Nick? I mean, this is it's, what's next. Or maybe you can't even talk about that. Well, yeah, I just, <laughs> you know, I'm always... Because you're obviously an idea guy. Yeah. I've got some ideas and doing, yeah. I mean, we have, Tamarack still has a lot of patents that haven't been uh, uh, commercialized yet. So there's there's that side of it. And that know. has a lot of value. Again, that's my shark tank target. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I, as you mentioned, I have, you know, I'm always thinking, just like any of us, right? We're always yeah. thinking of something and my, my, my ideas are generally aerospace related and uh and i'm working on some stuff now that you know that's exciting maybe we'll talk about that some other i look forward to it yeah we'll have you back and uh i appreciate you taking some time out of your day to talk about something exciting oh it's been fun yeah man thanks i love talking this stuff appreciate it my friend yep thanks for listening folks uh we actually have a dedicated email set up for uh any comments concerns hate mail you know bring it we don't mind uh i know i say i'm a lot i know i smack my lips but by all means anything else that you have to say podcast at loft.arrow that's podcast at loft.arrow no.com and uh, we will field your comments and respond accordingly